Buhai. I'm Jamie Panetta, and this is the Decolonizing Medicine Podcast. I am a queer, non-binary trans person, and my ancestors are Tagalog and Chinoy. My healing arts practice is located at Fruit Camp in Baltimore, Maryland, and virtually. Today's guest brings sacredness to silliness. This might be one of the most playful conversations I have ever had, and it was an absolute delight. Ryukyung Kim, they them, is a celebrant, a shapeshifter, often in a transition of sorts. Ryu means to stay, to be with, to leave behind, a message, a mark, to accept, a gift, to allow to grow. Kyung means fortune, blessing, wealth, auspicious, good luck, ceremony, celebration. They currently support humans whose very existence disrupts the status quo by way of celebration that honors their sacred uniqueness. Through their creative one-on-one work with folks, they bring a sense of ease, wonder, and playfulness into their healing containers. Jamie. <laughs> it's so funny to say hello like after we've been chatting for like 10 yeah. minutes or whatever and then we have like a fake second hello yeah. on the podcast. It is when you said hello, I was just like, oh my gosh, I this is so funny. I love this. Hello. <laughs> hello. We have never started a conversation before. Yeah. Like we started right now with this hello, and there was no lead up to any of this we didn't we didn't even exist like 40 seconds ago we yeah we, we popped we just, into the ether yeah exactly we, we just materialized right now through audio sound waves <laughs> i feel like an alien like with just like my hand up being like hello hello i am here <laughs> yeah. oh no one can see this because we're not recording visuals but we were giving each other the, the, spark. Live, the live long and prosper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Vulcan greetings. <laughs> um, well, I guess that like very easily leads into my first question. Mm-hmm. Um, what, why is play important and how do we oh. engage in it? Okay. So this is, I love this question because um, I was thinking about this in the shower and play i think is is something that exists like everywhere but as we've grown up um or at least my life experience and i do suspect a lot of people feel this way too is that play becomes like a smaller 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 part of our lives to the point where it's very difficult to feel the presence of it because we are so um we are operating in this like way of being that is dictated by you know this like very oppressive and um like one way type of living in this world kind of way right and i was thinking about where play pops up for me and it's important because it it's a part of like my re-indigenizing process it's a part of getting to know myself again it is this ingredient that is like necessary to get to the places where I want to go. Um, I think of it a lot too um, as a really important part of inner child healing, cultivating a relationship with your inner child. Like a lot of it of that is through play. And most recently, I think I've been playing a lot with my gender like not even like identity, but just like how I want to move through the world and how I want to show up. Um, So I want to play with clothes. I want to play with like the way that I think about the construct and playing with that and seeing what comes up, Mm -hmm. Um, playing through queerness, playing through like um, neurodivergence, like all of it I think is so 
important because if there's no play, like it just gets really stressful and boring and serious and rigid. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of the, the, that's where I was kind of going with it. I feel like I'm still exploring it. Like, I'm sure that if I listen to this like three months from now, six months from now, I'm going to be like, oh, there was so much I've built on it. Like, because pra- play is a practice. Um, so yeah, I think that's what I've got so far. Okay. Um, I'm so curious about the word re-indigenizing. What does that mean to you? So I was speaking to um, one of the people I wanted to give a community shout out to later, um, Jillian Root Walker, who is currently undergoing through a like an initiation process uh, in her lineage um, of indigenous African like spiritual traditions. And um, Jillian uses this word instead of decolonizing because it feels less it feels like we're moving towards, um, hmm, let me think about this. Cause it's, this is how I'm like interpreting how sure, Jillian yeah. uses the word re-indigenizing. And for me, it feels like coming back home versus decolonizing feels like, like an undoing. But there, there's something that follows the undoing, the unbecoming, the like wrapping up the gift. And so the re-indigenizing, to me, like energetically, the word feels like, um, it feels a bit dreamy to me. And I think that's where I like to play. Like I like to play through dreams and feel very, I mean, if you can't tell, I'm very like airy and water sign-y. And so there's like a lot of... Um, energy that I feel like through the word re-indigenizing and yeah it just feels like kind of the roots of something it feels like coming back home yeah I love that yeah yeah (sighs) it's very it's very fantastical and imaginative but at the same time it's very real like it's not yeah. It's not like fantastical in the way that it has never existed because it did exist because yeah. all peoples were indigenous to somewhere at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It feels like a this like big migration. Oh, I'm getting like goosebumps as we're talking. Um, so yeah, I loved what you said about that because it, it does feel fantastical, but not in this like let's escape our current reality to go to this fantasy but it it's this like reality the things that we want to see in reality and the futures time collapsing it yeah it just feels like a really cool journey and i think because the word colonize it like brings the focus back onto the word that we we hear often like colonization like re-indigenizing just feels like a lot more Mm, I like I I imagine it like when you go to someone's place and they give you like a nice bowl like of soup and it just feels really really like warm in your body like that's what it feels like for me I I love soup yeah I know soup is the best Soup is so great. There's just no soup that I don't like, you know? Okay, so this is totally off of the questions that I have written down. Mm-hmm. Um, but what is your favorite soup? And if you were, were a soup, what soup would you be? Oh, this is such a great question. Okay, the first question was, what's my favorite, right? And if I was a soup, what would it be? Okay, so... My favorite, oh my gosh, my favorite really like changes with the weather um, because, you know, I'm sure, you know, all soups have different like healing properties and like nourishing properties for different moments in your life. And so right now we are in a season of transition. Um, So it's kind of cold where I am now. And I was like, I was feeling the September breeze and I was like, oh, fall is coming. And this is interesting because this is actually a summer soup, but 
I think because I'm holding on to summer just a little bit longer before the warmth goes away, I've been thinking a lot about um, naengmyeon, which is a cold broth with um, buckwheat noodles. And depending on the regions in Korea, there's different toppings and uh, different garnishes that go on top. And um, it was it's coming up for me because I was just watching a documentary on Ningmyeon specifically. Is it the one on Netflix with the yes. chef and it's like cold noodle rhapsody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. That's the one. I know. Did you watch it? I haven't gotten through all of it yet, but yes, I've watched it. I yeah, I like that series and I like the pork belly rhapsody too too. <laughs> Ooh, okay. That's going to be next on my list. I didn't know there was more than one Rhapsody. I thought it was just the one. Yeah, there's a pork belly one and then um, a beef one. Oh, okay. That's, oh, that's just, okay. Yeah, that's going to be on my to watch list for the next little while because it takes me a while to get through watching stuff. But yeah, this one, I would, the first episode was just jam-packed with so many like Ningmyeon styles. Like I had to lay down afterwards because I was like it was very <laughs> stimulating <laughs> I was like there's too many different types I must go lay down and like process like what I've just witnessed because I think I'm used to food docs or food thing where it just talks about like one thing in like one video but this one was like here's like the 50 different things in like one episode I was like oh my god this is this is a lot for me to absorb right now my partner and I were both just like uh <laughs> It's so intense, and I appreciate how much historical and personal context goes into the different styles because he talks all about like what was happening economically and politically in Korea at different times when different dishes developed and why they mm -hmm. developed certain ways, and like so much of it has to do with migration and war and like access to resources, and it's. It's like very beautiful, but also like really sad for a lot of it too. Yes. I um, started crying the moment um, one of the store, like the Ningmyeon noodle shop owner started talking about the map that his dad drew. Um, that it was like the, the, the path to, he's like, the map was just like this really, it was a beautiful drawing. It was like scratchy. And there was like a will underneath and he wrote like, here's a path that you need to take, take this road and take this road in order to get home because he was dreaming about reunification. And it like, it really got me. I was like, oh my gosh, this, like just so many feelings. That's, I think that's a part of the reason why I had to go lay down too. Cause I was just like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about reunification in a while. Um, and just for like quick context, like, cause right now Korea is divided between North and South Korea. And so there were a lot of families, people displaced, um, people being separated. Like I had, my mom told me about her uncle who um, joined like the North Korean forces during the war and she never heard from him again. And I, I it haunts me because I think about like what became of him like what he's up to like is he alive like I don't know so there yeah so I love that this specific episode that I watched was focused on like the the, the Pyongyang naengmyeon which is like the the cold noodles um from like what is now known as North Korea and um yeah it was just very emotional and so I've been <laughs> it's funny because here I only have like one type of naengmyeon so <laughs> my mind was truly blown to be like, I'm sorry, there were this many Ningmyeon styles. Like, I I have to go and, like, try all of them now. <laughs> Although I don't know if they're, like, available here. Because there's just, like, the one type that I know that they sell here in Toronto. But, um, yeah, so that answers, like, one of the questions. And then the second question about what soup I would be. Oh, my gosh. Again, this, I think, also really speaks to, like, my the relationship I have with my transness, like it, it's, it changes. Um, and it like grows and shifts and like expands and does its thing. But I think right now, um, the soup that just came to me is like the pork bone soup. And it's really funny because I don't, I don't really like, uh, tang. Oh, but galbi tang is so good too. Yeah. 
That's one of my faves. Okay. I don't want to change my answer. Because, okay, so here's the thing. It's like, I love galbitang because it's so easy to eat. But the gamjatang is hearty. So, like, even though I feel like a gamjatang right now, like, I don't actually like to eat it all that often unless somebody, like, um, like they they parse out the meat and, like, put it in, in, my, in my rice bowl. <laughs> So like, it's like a, a very high situation. Yes. 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 Like I I realized I've spent way too long in my life pretending like I'm an easygoing person with food. I'm not. Like I am so picky. I am so particular. Um I don't like to eat fish un- unless somebody like grabs the meat of the, the fish and puts it in my rice bowl. <laughs> Cuz that's like how I grew up eating it. Like my grandma used to do oh, that for me you know that's like a love thing it's such a love thing and so for me I'm like why would I do that myself if somebody else is willing to do it for me <laughs> you're like a fish top yes yes exactly and so I just I love the um the like I feel like maybe it's because I've been tinkering with myself for a little while in getting to know myself more. So there's like the nooks and crannies of the kamjatan the, the that I really resonate with. And you know, the broth is just so good. Like it's so hearty and there's a lot of mm. depth to it. Um, but yeah, the kaibi tongue is great too because it's just delicious and really easy. But like, you know how the meat just falls off the bones? Yes. If you do it right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because I definitely have had it when it's like I was cooking it or someone else was cooking it, and we were a little impatient. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I like it, that too. It is a thing that that takes patience or an instant pot <laughs> to get mm. it like soft. Um, I like whenever I talk to an Asian on this show, we always end up talking about food, and it's just so funny. Um, but like. I feel like this is really relevant because food is one of the ways in which we play like yes. with identity, with whatever ingredients we have um, available to us as people who live in diaspora. Like that is such a huge, um, that's such a huge point of play for me that has felt easier to access because food, I feel like, uh, at least with my my cultural upbringing, being, being Filipino, it's a very joyous thing. Mm-hmm. And you can do all kinds of stuff with it. And it's, it is play and it's party time and yeah. all of this stuff. Um, and I think with, with Filipinos, we have so many cultural influences because of just the location of the islands and um, the history of it, that it, it's like automatically fusion for so many of the dishes um, which I think is it's it has an element of playfulness to it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I feel that so like just in my bones because it's very similar in Korean culture as well for food to be um, like a joyous and festive thing. And I, I'm thinking a lot about even in shamanic traditions in Korea, there's a lot of offerings. There's a lot of like, almost, dare I say this word, like excessive, like preparation <laughs> that goes into like um, honoring of our ancestors and um, the rituals and the ceremony. Like, like it is just a, um, oh, there's a word. So in Korean, we call it papsang, I believe. Um, I'm pretty sure that's a word, which it's like the, the, the preparation of the food. And sang, I think, also means, like, prize, too. So there's this, like, when I hear the word papsang, I could be wrong. I'm, like, pretty sure, though. If there's any Koreans out, like, listening to this, please let me know if I'm incorrect. But it, like, embodies the feeling of, like, like prizing the food. It's, like, very sacred. Um, there's this element of sharing not not only with us and with the people present, but the people that we are serving this for who are not able to like ingest this food because they don't have 
bodies. <laughs> they are floating. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, the, the idea of fusion is so interesting to fusion as play because there's a lot of elements in Korean cooking too that like is not native to the lands. Um, like I, I'm so curious to know in Filipino food, like what is native and what isn't native. Like I think about like how cheese and spam are like not native to Korea, but it's, it's, you, you oh, it's so, so much. good. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's weird because it's, <laughs> it's, there are these influences that have happened from like really fucked up tragic events, like through mm-hmm. colonization, like things like spam are available in places like the Philippines and Korea because it was like U.S. Army surplus. Yep. They're just trying yep. to dump dump stuff that was undesirable onto like all of these other places that they're based in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's almost like well, I'm I'm gonna put my interpretation on it um, at this at this moment. Maybe I will change my mind in mm-hmm. the future, but it's almost like okay, so this shitty thing has happened. We're going to transform it and make it delicious and, and like, enjoyable and nourishing. But it's, like, not a secret that these things came from our colonizers. Mm-hmm. It's not a secret that there was, like, pain and suffering that came along with, with the integration of these foods into our diets. Mm-hmm. So the um, there's this dish... Uh, called Aruscaldo. I think I've talked about this before on a different episode. Um, so Aruscaldo is is basically like a, a rice porridge with chicken. And this dish exists like all over the place, all over Asia, Juk in Korea, like, you know, like kanji or whatever. Like it's, yeah. it's everywhere. Um, and each place has its own, you know, spin on it. But in the Philippines, it's, it's called Aruscaldo, like Aruscaldo, like Spanish, like rice pot, um, but it's a it's a soup that comes from more from East Asia, but then we have it like it, it's like from trade with China, mm. trade through with South China that we have a dish like this, but then it's made in a in its own way in the Philippines. Like the Filipinos often will take a dish that has influences from other places. They just add way more meat to it and way more garlic and onions and ginger. So it's like, if I make, if I make rice porridge, like Chinese style, it's like one slice of ginger for the whole pot. Like it's a very bland dish. And then if I make it like Filipino style, it's like a whole like knob, like three inch, four inches of of ginger and like a whole chicken in it. Not like, you know, a few chicken bones for broth. Like it's a very, it's like a very indulgent, like very, very hearty food. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it like very, very strong tasting versus like, like other blander porridges, which I I don't say bland as in a bad thing. I actually think bland is a very good flavor and it has its own nutritional medicinal uses. Um, So it's not a hater thing or like which, (laughs) which rice porridge is better. Um, but yeah, Filipinos, like they go kind of extreme. It's sort of like the Southern food of Asia. And like, it's like, it can be like so indulgent. Like we have another rice porridge that's just fucking rice and chocolate. What? Yeah. I have not heard of this. (gasps) Yeah. It's like a, it's, it's a chocolate rice porridge. Okay. That sounds delicious. I must try this. It's so good. Um, but there, there is a lot of play in the like, the the decadence. Mm. Um, it's like no matter like what you're given, even if it's fucking scraps, it, it will be amazing. Yes. Ah, oh, I love that so much. Play with what we've been given. And history showing us like what we've been dealt with is really fucking shitty, really yeah. fucking shitty. And like reminders that play still exists in that too. Mm-hmm. And that feels um, like hopeful, but also just like this beacon, I think. 
yeah, I see it like play being a beacon of sorts. Yeah, I hear yeah. that. It's mm-hmm. it, how can you have possibility if you don't have play and imagination? Yes. And if you're like in a situation where there are, where, where reality has become limited, the only way out is to make more possibilities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And play being like a, a, yeah, seeing it as an essential part in create. It's like a magic wand is kind of how I see it. <laughs> like, okay, we are given these things. Um, they're not like them, the, the energy of the things we've been given themselves are like shitty, but it's like, but that doesn't mean the thing that we make has to be shitty. Yeah. Hence the food, like the food that comes out of it is like delicious. Like I think about banh mi's, like I think like, you know, like all, like everywhere around the world and like people of the golden majority and their food, like there's so much of a through line. Um, But with each um, village each like region having its own like version of it like all coming from play because people are playing in different ways mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's like you were saying something yes and it's like you were saying it's like one's well, not better than the other they're just different like they there's just different like creations that came from different like different play yeah I think I think that's that word is so key like creation play is creation energy like you were you were doing something that wasn't there before mm-hmm. or you're playing with something that was there and making it new mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so you did mention you mentioned neurodivergence earlier mm-hmm. and i i would like to know more about what your experience with that is like and how that relates to play and desire and healing Ooh, okay, so I think it was very helpful. Actually, I don't know if helpful is the right word, but the way that I went through this journey of getting intimate and getting to know myself first was um, sort of deconstructing um, the dream that my parents had put on me. Um, so it's, it was sort of like, if you go and be a creative person, if you, if you're going out there being an artist, um, just make sure that you have money, like make sure you have the stability, the, um, uh, like, like health benefits, like make sure you have all of those things. And I got to a point where I, I had that, like I was making a stable, like, you know, getting a paycheck every two weeks, doing a, like a design job for a corporate company. And I was like at my lowest, you know? And um, so that was sort of like the first deconstruction initiation, I guess I would say. And then came um, this deconstructing of gender binaries. um, And then sort of that started opening up doors and, um, listening to my mom's stories about me when I was younger and I was like oh my gosh like there were signs all along like that I was neurodivergent and it's interesting because in the beginning I was focusing so hard on getting um like putting myself into a box of like which one am I right like which uh recipe card am I being given is it is it the ADHD or is it is it is it the autism or is it like because of the way that western psychology works right it's very um like piecemeal like uh putting it into tiny fractions of what these things are and I already lost track of your question but I'm gonna keep going with with yeah (laughs) Um, and feeling like I had to put myself in a box and realizing, okay, they're like, the, these boxes are imaginary. They're also jails. And like, it, it's not doing me any favors to like, label myself as like, just the one thing when I feel like I experience my life in so many of these, like these, these, uh, quote unquote symptoms that kind of show up in 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 realms of autism and in ADHD and and also like OCD but then I'm hearing like 
OCD and autism, like, you know, they mesh and then ADHD and autism also mesh. So I'm just like, okay, so then maybe these labels are like not as important for me to stay in, but they are an important, like, uh, they're sort of like the doorway to go through. And then once I'm like through the doorway, I can just go out and like play with it. And in the beginning, I think, I think the reason why play was so important for me was because in the beginning I wore it as sort of like, um, like I was really angry. There was a lot of grief and anger and kind of moving through life being like, what's wrong with me. And then realizing there's absolutely nothing wrong with me. I just live in a world that doesn't, um, allow for neurodivergent and disabled people to thrive right? Like, and history has shown us, like, history has shown us this. And so um, I feel like it was important for me to play so that I don't stay in that very, like, self-limiting place. Um, And I say self-limiting because I've been seeing, it's sort of like reading a diagnosis of what somebody who is neurodivergent is experiencing through the lens of somebody who is not neurodivergent. So the way that I've seen Google lists of like people who experience and live life with autism, it's like through the lens of a non-autistic person. So it's kind of like what's wrong with an autistic person versus when I speak to people who are neurodivergent, like it's magical. Like the way that we experience life is so freeing. Like we can talk about how like sensitive we are, but that's not spoken about in a way that feels limiting. Mm-hmm. It's spoken about ways that are like, oh, that's so fucking cool. Like we get to like be able to feel the energy of these things. Like how amazing is that? And and that felt like play. So leaning more and more into it. And and I have I've been in spaces where we like there are we, we speak about neurodivergence as like, a, oh, there, I just need to fix this so that I can go and do something else. Um, and I think that kind of bringing that back to like the re-indigenizing process is like, well, if I keep thinking about neurodivergence as like a thing to beat myself with, like that's not fun. Um, and it, I'm just surveilling myself like I am put like putting myself under like surveillance and I feel like surveillance and punishment is like the opposite of play and the opposite of celebration um that came from my mentor I from from our mentor um joy 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 is so yeah I just (laughs) my mouth has dropped more times this year than it has like in my entire life (laughs) working with joy (laughs) I've never met a person who talks and everything they say is a quote. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, it's like everything they say, like when, when I take notes, when, when, when she's talking, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm just transcribing the conversation. Like everything's a quote. Um, (laughs) Yes. My hands cannot type as fast as she speaks. I'm like, Joy, your genius is moving too fast. Like, give me one second yeah yeah she's on fire all the time yeah um Mm -hmm. I it was really appreciating how you were talking about neurodivergence and play and it it, to me that just brings up that existing as a neurodivergent person and um just engaging in play in whatever way becomes um a very easy pathway to decolonization or re-indigenizing because it's like it's like inherently anti-capitalist because you're not focusing on productivity like you're focusing on pleasure and wholeness and existing exactly as you are mm. um, right like like you're yes. not going against whatever your nature is you're just you just are yes and what what would the world be like if everyone just could be exactly as they are mm-hmm I think it'd be so, it'd be a party, like, all the time. So much food. Yeah, totally. Everyone's going to be crying in their bowl of noodles. Yeah. 
because we're going to be so excited and we're going to feel all the feelings. <laughs> yeah. It's also a world where I feel like conflict is kind of an opportunity to like do something different. Like I used to be so afraid of conflict. And if I think about this world where like if everyone could just be as they are, like conflict no longer feels scary to me because there's this feeling that like, I have a feeling if there's going to be a brawl, if there's going to be conflict, like we're still going to have food afterwards. Like, <laughs> like we're still going to like get together and be like, oh, well, that was not great. You want to like grab something to eat? I mean, I do strive to end all of my conflicts like that. Mm-hmm. Grab, right? grab my afterwards and like, I need a, I need a burger. <laughs> And that, like, I think brings us back to play, like, because eating is, is play, like, because we got to figure out what we want to eat. Like, what's the medicine for this, like, thing, stuff, the yeah. stuff that we're feeling. And so figuring that out is like a process of getting to be like, hmm, you know, what would feel good right now after this one specific fight that we had, like, yeah, a burger, an ice cream cone, like, something sweet, something colorful, like, <sighs> yeah. I'm just like, I have goosebumps this whole conversation with you. So this is super fun for me. <laughs> I love that we're like in, in like late summer slash early fall and you're like cold noodles. We have to hold on to it. And in my head, I'm like, is the Bingsu place still open? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bingsu. And they like, I think that they like released a a flavor that was a combination with halo halo, which is like the Filipino style of shaved ice, which of course like Filipino shaved ice, it's like, it's extra because it's like a little bit of ice, but also you have like half your glass is really just toppings. And then they put like a fucking slice of flan on top. Sometimes they put cake on it. Sometimes they put a scoop of ice cream, like rice crispy. It's, it's like ridiculous. I love it. The decadence that you speak of, it really comes through in desserts too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it sounds like everything, but also desserts. It's, Mm. I mean, I'm just going to say that it's very flamboyant and gay. I know that not everyone is going to (laughs) agree with me on that, but I feel like Mm. food is a way to be really flamboyant and gay. And like, (laughs) it is, I don't know. It's because it's just joyous. It's celebratory and it's always better with someone else. Ooh, I love that so much. Well, I'm going to take that back though because sometimes I really like taking myself on a date to go get food. Um, But it's it's a special thing when you get to share with someone. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You get to have the both end. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Oh my gosh. And now I like, I'm just thinking about the ways like that food and the way that it presents in different cultures and how that kind of speaks to, because you're right. Filipino food is really flamboyant. (laughs) It is really, yeah. I'm, I like that. And with that too, I'm now reflecting on the ways that I make food. It's really chaotic. Like I had a friend witness me in the kitchen once and she was like I never want to cook with you again like (laughs) she was like it's it's you know I will make the food and you can just eat it and I mean she's also a Capricorn so it's it's I feel like my chaos energy can sometimes be a lot for earth signs um yeah like my partner has a Capricorn rising and he's just like what are you up to in the kitchen? It's like a mad scientist. Like, is there like bowls and like everything? You like you use all the utensils. <laughs> I use a utensil once, and then I put it into the sink, and then so I end up using like ten spoons, yeah, four <laughs> forks. Um, and there is no recipe. I'll look at the recipe and actively am like, how do I defy this thing so that it suits my like current level of current temperament? Because right now I don't want to feel like tied down and measuring like you know and then doing like the tasting every once in a while and be like hey, I'm just gonna like pour the soy sauce in and see what happens and um so when you speak about food as play like I really because I used to not like cooking and I think that's because there's a whole variety of 
things influencing my life to like not enjoy being in the kitchen. But once I started to look through food, once I started to look at food through the lens of play, that's when I just like, it started becoming really easy for me to just make something. Um, And again, just using whatever I have in the fridge, um, it feels like a great uh, challenge. I'm like, ooh, like things are so limited. I have like two things. Like what can I make that's really good with these two things? Well, I'm just going to add a whole lot of, yeah, the garlic, the green onion, you know? So yeah, when you speak about food being really gay in Filipino culture, I'm like, I want to embody that too with my neurodivergence and just like, yeah, letting, letting that be, letting me be in the kitchen. Natural. It just comes naturally. Yes. And I really want to like honor the aunties who like, who cook like that, who you ask them the recipe and they're like, I don't have one. I just throw shit into the pot and it comes out like the best thing you've ever tasted. I'm like, Oh, but then that also means they've been playing with that food for like years mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they've Perfecting. been experimenting with it for yeah. years and it's like you measure by how it feels in your body and that's a very different <sighs> way of measuring right like you're not using you're not using a cup or like you know like you're not using like metrics <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes i yes exactly oh that's so so true yeah, so be gay, be neurodivergent, and play with your food, I think. Is the, yeah, <laughs> that's the, the topic overarching. Of, yeah, that's the theme <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> uh, this is great. sure we have time for our community shout out mm-hmm. what BIPOC group or individual would you like to uplift for a community shout out um yeah take it away um I want to give a shout out to um one of my oldest friends uh she and I went to school together I met her while I was studying in New York and um, right now, her name is Grace. Um, and right now, what she's up to is she's just creating the most like beautiful things. So she is a stationary artist and a candle maker. And God, I'm already yeah. like, <laughs> where do I find this person? Oh, I will. I will uh, send you all the tweets. With stationary <laughs> is very strong in this. I think this is like our ancestral medicine. Like there's just something about, yeah, like Asians and stationery. It's just like embedded. I fucking love paper. We love yeah. paper. It's true. It's true. I Just touching things like, oh, handmade things, like stationery, like bumpy stickers. It's, it's like, yeah, I, like I'm an autistic heaven when I have things to touch. Like it's the best. <laughs> um. And so she makes washi tapes, um, uh, stickers. She makes like stamps now for like, for anyone who likes to journal. Um, And she specifically uh, themes them around, like she calls them chicas. Um, So she's Afro-Latina. And so she makes a lot of stickers of brown and black girls doing their thing, looking cute with like drinks and coffee and living like the like the stationary dream life. So that, and she also makes candles. Um, I, I just ordered a couple of candles from her. She makes these decorative candles that are like shaped. Um, they're shaped like ice cream. They're shaped like um, like strawberries and cheese and lime. And there's um, there's like words like that she calls them. There's like, like hal- halditos. I am definitely butchering that, but it's like um, a lot of the flavors are um, derived from like 
not derived, but like, yeah, a lot of the flavors come from like the stuff that she grew up with, um, the orange drinks that she grew up with in the, like, in like the Dominican Re- Republic. And cool. is there anything else I want to share? Yeah. It's just, it's just play embodied in like stationery and candles. And it's, it's just delicious looking <laughs> like all of it. But, but don't eat it. <laughs> yeah. But don't eat it. But I know if I look at it, I'd be like, I just, I want to smell it. Like I want to like. <laughs> how do people find out about, how do people connect with Grace? So Grace had, oh, I turned off my phone, but um, her socials are at the Wednesday company, the Wednesday Co. on Instagram. Um, let's see. I just want to make sure that I'm getting it right. Sorry, Grace. Okay, so it's just Wednesday Company on on Instagram. Oh, no, no, the yeah, no, the okay. And company C O or company spelled out. Uh, company spelled out. Got it. So Wednesday Company. Mm-hmm. All right. And then, how do people connect with you? Ooh. Um, so I am on Instagram and on TikTok. I've been really enjoying being on social media lately again because I want to play with it and not treating social media like oh this is like the worst thing ever um is at party.noodles for both platforms and I also want to give one more shout out because I had Grace and um Jillian Root Walker who I got to commune with last week in her master class uh, called Demystifying and Decolonizing. I spoke about Jillian like earlier in the podcast, but um, yeah, shouting out Jillian because Jillian is so cool and just doing like, the way that Jillian writes, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just feel like melting like into your landscape of writing. It just feels really good. Is Jillian <laughs> also on IG? Yes, Jillian, I believe... Um, it's Jillian Root Walker. Yes. Awesome. I will also put these in the show notes for folks to find later. Okay. Any last, um, I almost said any last words and then that sounded really morbid, but anything <laughs> else that you want after <laughs> we end the episode? Oh my gosh. I feel like exist though. <laughs> yeah before we poof like back out of the ether and into like into space um it also felt like i don't know like a an anime episode it's like the last battle and someone's like i haven't watched anime in forever but it's like yeah any last words <laughs> um i just want to say thank you so much for um like when I put in the request to, to be on here, I had no idea what to expect, but I just wanted to like converse with you. Um, and I feel like it was super fun to just do that. It was really, really fun. So thank you so much for having me. I'm just very grateful to be here. Oh, it was, it's always awesome to talk with you. Like you're always so much fun um, and so very real. And I just adore it. I adore conversations with you in general. <laughs> okay we gotta we gotta have these more i have to come back again (laughs) all right you're definitely invited back um thank you so much for being here and being in conversation with me today thank you So I am continuing to divest from social media. You might have noticed I haven't really been very active on it in the last month. And I would like to say a big thank you to everyone who has been sharing or subscribing to my newsletter. It feels so good to be connecting with folks outside of the algorithms. 
So please keep sharing and subscribing to my podcast, my newsletter, and my YouTube account, etc. Let's get these conversations out there. We've got one more drop-in session left for QT by PGM Qigong on January 8th from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Signups are on my website, jamie-panetta-lac.com, and that's Jamie with two E's. I will be doing more Qigong classes in the future, so stay tuned. In the latest Patreon bonus episode, I talk about one of my favorite things, which is supporting folks through gender-affirming top surgery. I'm also a little behind on captioning episodes 18 and 19 of the podcast, as I am moving a little slower during winter, but I will get to them. And thank you again to Patreon folks for continuing to support a more accessible podcast. If you are interested in joining my Patreon, you can head to patreon.com slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts, or you can look for that info on my website. February's episode might come out a little later than usual, but it's all for an awesome reason. I've sustained a massive crush on this person for almost five years, so I really just have to gush a little bit about it. Kuan McCann, our audio engineer, will be traveling to Ireland to advance his studies in Bataract, aka Irish Sick Fighting. And I am so excited and thrilled for him. Side note slash side eye to white folks, you don't have to be appropriating Asian martial arts because literally every culture that has ever experienced war or attacked another culture has some kind of self-defense or combat form. And y'all seem to like attacking other cultures. So Kuan teaches classes in Baltimore and DC. If you're a queer trans person interested in learning how to swing sticks at fascists, or maybe you just want to take a movement class that works with folks of varying abilities and experience, check out Bata on Instagram. And that's B-M-O-R-E-B-A-T-A. Maraming salamat for listening to the Decolonizing Medicine podcast. Music is by Amber Ojeda, Head Candy, and Rocky Marciano. Big thanks to Kuan McCann for audio engineering all of the episodes. And last but not least, thank you to all our listeners and supporters out there. Happy New Year. Ingat. Mm-hmm.